1: Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dersham and I have a terrific show for you tonight. We are going to talk about everything from victims to the virus to violence, literally in that order. And in that order it is, because we have so much content in each of those areas, it's almost hard to pare it down in order to simply just give you the highlights. Because we also want to make sure, remember, it's headlines with a silver lining. So let's start with victims. Now, every time we get ready to do one of these shows, sometimes we're tempted to say, and then there were, what, six, seven, eight, I don't know how much we're going to be up to. But Governor Cuomo continues to have some significant issues. We're not rushing to judgment, and we're certainly not going to judge him outside of a court of law. The court of public opinion doesn't get to render a verdict, although they sort of do on social media. But it is true that his concerns now seem to have struck a bipartisan tone because sexual harassment is a bipartisan partisan issue. Ironically, it's one of the few issues that has united Congress and united citizens around the world for as long as I can remember. And I say that because I know there was a day and age where we didn't take it as seriously as we do now. And I say that even mindful of the 2017 Me Too, Time's Up movements that have really caught fire and continue to do so. One of the things that characterizes Governor Cuomo's case right now is that it is being investigated. It's being investigated not just by through an impeachment inquiry, but also by the Attorney General. Now, why is that important? Every sexual harassment investigation is looking for victims because patterns make the predator. We don't jump to conclusions and we certainly don't rush to judgment, but we look for patterns. Is it a pattern of behavior or behavior as usual. If it's a business as usual type of behavior, that's especially problematic. And that, that constitutes some of the allegations against Governor Cuomo. But here's really what's important about that story. We all know that for sexual harassment victims, silence is not golden. And there are there is strength in numbers when people come forward. But in terms of what happens to the public figure under scrutiny, the one who's being accused. Calls for resignation usually start coming fairly quickly. And at the beginning, there's always a bit of pushback. Nobody believes that everybody should resign anytime they're accused of anything. We are, we're a country of evidence, and we're a criminal justice system based on evidence, not merely allegations. However, the drumbeat for Governor Cuomo's resignation has continually grown louder over the course of the last couple of weeks. It's sadly almost entirely eclipsed the very important nursing home investigation that was also going on the week before the sexual harassment started breaking. And now because that drumbeat is coming from left, right, and center, it is as loud as can be. So Larry, the question everyone's asking with increasing frequency from both sides of the aisle, and indeed up the center as well, is should he resign? What do you think?
2: I think that you want to, as you mentioned, Wendy, uh, hear all the evidence and so forth. We're innocent until proven guilty. But this does seem like almost on a weekly basis of almost like a daily basis, it's becoming daily basis. insurmountable evidence. And it is so unusual to see that Democrats turn on one another, even uh, liberal uh, uh mayor de blasio is uh i believe asking for the governor to resign and to me uh, the bigger issue is is the nursing home deaths i think it was up to somewhere around 14,000 people that that possibly didn't need to pass away but because of his policies did this almost seems like a sub story but uh i think that uh i i hope that the truth comes out And I think if he's guilty of these things, he steps down for the good of New York, uh, the state of New York, and the the United States.
1: You know, the, the good thing about the AG doing an investigation is we want to make sure that things are actually documented one way or another. So we try to be as neutral as we can, although it is always persuasive that many of the victims don't know each other, or at least on the surface of it, have ulterior motives. But again, we don't want to prejudge. We're the court of public opinion let's actually see what the AG's office does. Because remember, Larry, they have subpoena power to look at documents, to talk to people. They have the the tools with which to really paint a larger picture and to put content into context. Because what Governor Cuomo is denying is the content. He's basically saying, maybe I was misinterpreted. Maybe I was joking when I shouldn't have been. But that's not nearly as problematic as some of the allegations uh, standing individually. Uh, and we also talked about him sort of having suffered a one-two punch with the nursing home scandal and then the sexual harassment allegations. But I understand, Larry, you're also looking at sort of a three-punches-you're-out story in an entirely different context,
2: right? I am, Wendy. And I actually brought it up to four punches, and you're out. Four punches. Four punches. (laughs) Okay, I'm talking about the United States of America now, folks. And punch one, the carrot, the looting of the U.S. Treasury. A $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill was just passed, and uh, President Biden signed that into law. Only 9% of that goes towards COVID relief. 91% of that goes towards the Democratic favorite causes. Not one Republican voted on it, not bipartisan. And just get this, Wendy, just visualize this. Uh, one million dollars. Let's start there. One million dollars. You convert the dollars into seconds. One million seconds equals about 11 and a half days. A billion seconds equals 32 years. A trillion seconds equals thirty two thousand years and we're talking about a two trillion a nearly two trillion dollar bill that is the entire budget of the united states of america for a lot of zeros a lot of of zeros okay so that's the carrot here's the stick the equality act hr 5 that's going to be used in my opinion as the stick to to whip into shape the conservatives the christians the jewish people and, and the muslims because it is a it's a um it's going to force us to open up our our churches to uh, people that are of the LGBT persuasion, even on our staff, even though it violates our, our our biblical view, our holy scriptures view, if you're Jewish or even the Koran view. And it what is so frightening about it? It basically eliminates the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of nineteen. 93 also shortened for refra which was so uh, fought for so hard to protect the christians and the jewish people and the muslim people so they could you know honor the religion and everybody would get along but this pipe uh, goes around that okay so we got the carrot we got the stick and now we got the coronation the coronation enshrining one party rule for everything united states that's hr1 Every bad practice that happened in the 20, November 2020 election is going to be put into statute. Nationwide mail-in voting, nationwide ballot harvesting, bans voter ID, nationwide motor voter registration, on and on. It could go on and on on that. But here, here's the fourth punch that I uh, just thought of. And the fourth punch is the coup de grace of the United States of America, and that's They are planning to take away our Second Amendment rights. That's the right to own guns. The purpose of the Second Amendment was to protect us, our families, but also to protect us against a tyrannical government. If they get all of our guns away, there'll be nothing, and I mean nothing, to stop the total takeover of our country. And that, to me, is the four punches and you're knocked out.
1: So, I think that there is um, obviously some very strong opposition to those four punches, and that's what makes them issues worthy of discussion is there's a, a very there are very strong voices on both sides of the issues that you just mentioned. Um, and it also brings to mind how important it is, as we've discussed in the past, that we have a marketplace of ideas to discuss the opposing views. And you know, many of the viewers and many of the listeners are smart enough to want to hear all of the viewpoints, but they also want to hear all of the news. And I'm sort of queuing up who we're gonna have for the second half in just a minute. But that has become one of the most important things that we can be discussing at all is people hear about you know, the Equality Act. They don't know what it is. Um, they don't know what their position is on it. They have absolutely no idea what the text of it says. And it's only by knowing what's in it that everybody forms their own opinion. And there are, of course, uh, two strong uh, dueling narratives on almost anything that we discuss. But the other thing is we really are in awe of those people who are brave enough to do what needs to be done to make sure that the American people have the information that they need. I mean, knowledge is power. And I don't know about you, but we always talk before we go to the ballot box. We want to read both sides of everything. We want to actually read a bill instead of just hearing people sort of give a highlights reel and skewed one way or another. I mean, and it's ironic, Larry, because that's what you and I do as lawyers is you know, you are paid to present a side of a controversy in a certain light. But we also cannot misrepresent, we have to be truthful. And then, hey, let the jury, the American people, they make up their minds. But it's that being truthful aspect of it that we are going to hear about in the second half of the show, because we are going to bring someone on that actually has risked life and limb to ensure that there is footage available of what goes on where Um, and you know Larry we've talked about over the course of the last year all of the different types of protests and riots and and things that go on overnight when most of us are sleeping that aren't covered by mainstream media largely because there's a safety issue no one wants reporters being risking their lives to capture some of this footage but folks don't touch that dial because we have someone Uh, the other side of the break who has done exactly that one of the bravest reporters there is who's literally put his life on the line to bring you the footage that you just can't see elsewhere so it's also going to be somebody here's a little clue who you probably have heard of stay with us you're listening to today with dr wendy we'll be back in a flash So, throughout the somewhat peaceful, sometimes not so peaceful protests last summer, and even from before, many of us have become familiar with groups that really want to reform versus groups that claim they want to reform. We've become familiar with the social justice issues. We have been uh, really inundated with more news than we probably ever had before over the course of the last year. But we sometimes wonder whether we're always getting the full picture, the full story. Because after all, everybody knows it can be very dangerous for journalists to actually go into the heat of battle to capture some of the footage in some of the hot zones. But not everybody is afraid, or shall I say there are some that are willing to risk it to show people what really goes on, especially in areas that most people are afraid to go. We have somebody like that on the line right now, who has literally risked life and limb to give the world an inside glimpse of what really goes on at some of these protests turned deadly. Larry, who do we have on the line?
2: Yes, Wendy. Andy No is an American journalist, best known for his covering protests, riots in Portland, Oregon. He's written columns in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, and he's been on Fox News. And he's uh, he's a very brave young man. He drew national attention when he was attacked by Antifa on the streets of Portland in the summer of 2019. And he's recently published the book. It's called Unmask Inside Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy that exposes Antifa for who they really are. His book is the number one bestseller on Amazon in the category of local U.S. politics, and I believe it's number three in the New York Times bestseller list. Quite an accomplishment for a young man. So welcome to the show, Andy.
3: Thank you so much for having me on.
1: So, Andy, I'm going to start with a very sort of endearing practical question. So, I am a big fan of time management, you know, having enough time to do everything in the course of the day. And although, you know, my job's not nearly as dangerous as yours, uh, many of our listeners struggle with, gosh, how can I get it all done? And when do I sleep? And how much do I sleep? You have always struck me as somebody that is filming all night. You are somebody that actually is awake when everybody else is asleep, which is why you're actually able to capture the footage that nobody else sees. So I have to ask, how do you do it? When do you sleep? What is your sort of your pattern to be able to give you the enormous, almost unending amount of energy that you have?
3: Huh. Well, I wish I could claim all the credit, but it's, it's really, it's not just me. There's a whole... Team of really talented, independent, uh, conservative and freelance journalists uh, who have been recording videos and using social media to get out this news to the world because if you if you turn on CNN or nbc um, MSNBC you won 't hear the truth about what 's been happening on the ground in many cities in America. And um, you're right that it is also very, very dangerous. That's the other reason that a lot of these legacy media journalists don't go in. Um, Because one, they're afraid, and two, they want to uphold the narrative that what we're seeing are are quote-unquote peaceful protests. When the videos show, and what I've seen with my own eyes is um, quite often, I would say in some cases like in Portland, my hometown, The norm is for there to be violence. And uh, unfortunately, I'm speaking to you as Portland has been convulsed by two more days of uh, back-to-back riots um, that are reminiscent of what happened for months on end last year.
2: That's right. Uh, Andy, uh, how did you become interested in Antifa? And kind of a two-part question, who's behind it?
3: I became interested because when I was a student journalist at Portland State University back in 2016, what I was witnessing was wanton political violence on the streets of my hometown, the streets of the, of the place that I grew up in. And the way that it was being covered in the local and the national press is that these were anti fascist Defending vulnerable communities. Um, but what I was seeing were people setting fires to properties, attacking law enforcement, taking weapons such as bats and crowbars and hammers to their riots to hurt people and to break and smash property. And so I just began to, you know, uh, take my camera, my, my phone, and start recording and eventually I was targeted several years later in 2019 when I was severely beaten by a mob of them while covering them in downtown Portland. They nearly killed me, and they gave me brain injury from that. Uh, To the second part of your question, who's behind them? Well, I wish it was a simple answer as a single person that we could point to and that we could uh, take down and the whole thing falls apart. It doesn't work like that. Antifa is in part in ideology, but it's also a movement, and they're made up of networks of groups. So it's all of the above, and they uh, operate autonomously, generally, from one another. Um, so you can't think of it as of a traditional sort of out where you pick out one or two of the leaders and the thing kind of falls apart. You're having groups of people who are organizing in different cities, often independent of one another, although they do communicate online. Um, I think what was surprising to me in the course of writing my book is that when I was looking at the funding sources, myself and others at some point usually think that there are big funders backing them because it does cost money and time and resources to maintain riots for months on end. But what I found, actually, is they fundraise quite openly through crowdfunding websites, and they've raised really significant sums of money on, like, Go GoFundMe and using um, app- applications like Cash App and Venmo. They'll raise millions of dollars to co- cover everything from ride gear to bail funds to travel and accommodation. So we really are underestimating this threat from within, and uh, I lament that the times that I've been invited to Congress to give testimony, I've been completely either ignored or demonized by the Democrats.
1: Well, you know, Andy, the, the, what you've just described and particularly the assault that you endured, yet you went right back out and did more of the same. You went right back out into the heat of battle, into the danger zone with your camera, ready to continue to record where does that drive come from? I, I mean, is it faith? Is it, um, how would you characterize your resilience? I mean, absolute resilience in every sense of the word.
3: Well, thank you for, for those kind words. Um, I think what drives me is really love of the nation. Um, my parents were given um, asylum uh, in the United States. They escaped communist. Uh, Vietnam after being sent to prison camps in the seventies, so I've have a strong um, uh, feeling of gratitude to the country that accepted my family and welcomed us as equal citizens. So to see uh, a movement, uh, organizations, groups of individuals who are working by their own words to destroy the United States by attacking not just institutions like courthouses and police stations police departments but really tearing apart at the founding ideals of the country um, it's it's a personal affront to me and uh, some of my journalist colleagues will criticize me because uh, uh, of the stance that I take on this but I think I think it should be the duty uh, of every journalists to make sure that freedoms and liberties are preserved and um, what we're experiencing in this country is a movement a violent extremist movement um, seeking to destroy the country who's masking itself under this label of anti-fascism
2: yes hey Andy I don't know if you're comfortable answering this but is there a connection in your mind between Antifa and Black Lives Matter are they totally separate and they operate separately
3: of course there's a connection i'm glad you asked that question i I write about this in the book and i've written about it in my in my articles um antifa have taken on the cause and messaging of blm so if you go to any of their riots you listen to what they chant and what they write as a um graffiti up places it's the exact same messaging as blm and blm for their own part have um used Antifa as security. You you can look at the Black Lives Matter Plaza in D C where Antifa have volunteered as security um during the riots of twenty twenty in Portland. Um uh, BLM used anti science security and and one one of those so called security men that ended up shooting dead a Trump supporter in downtown Portland before fleeing out of state and getting killed himself. So they cross-pollinate each other and they radicalize one another, in my opinion. And I think people underestimate the, um, the danger that BLM and anti Antifa pose because, again, they are thinking that these are social justice and race, racial justice movements.
1: You know, we're, we're at the end of the show, Andy, but I just wanted to, to thank you for what you do in terms of for covering and for documenting so much that goes on that, you know, while everyone else is safe in their homes with their kids getting ready for the next day, um, you're out there with your camera just documenting being the journalist that you are and the brave journalist you are. So we want to thank you very much uh, for coming onto the show with us. We know you probably have I made the joke interviews lined up after this, probably all weekend long, but thank you so much, Andy, for being with us.
3: Thank you, Andy. My and, pleasure. Thank thank,
1: you. and thank you to our listeners. who have been listening to today with Dr. Wendy always so much to talk about. It's hard to, to fit it in, but we are always about headlines with the silver lining. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful, safe rest of your weekend. We will be back next week for more of today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with the silver lining. Have a great weekend. God bless you.